everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Marriage is Tougher Than Woodpecker Lips podcast. This is Brian. And I'm Paul. We'd like to welcome you to a community meant for the men of the world to share our thoughts and perspectives on marriage. We can learn from each other's experiences and help each other be better husbands. Now, let's get right into the show. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Marriage is Tougher Than Woodpecker Lips podcast. We have a special treat for you today, and we are hyped because we have a mutual friend with us, Harlan Tabron, who is our first guest of the podcast, and we couldn't be more excited. Today, we're going to be talking about, is marriage designed to make us happy? And to get a little deeper into that, what we actually mean is, what if God designed marriage to make us happy, or make us holy more than to make us happy? I think that's the right way to put that, right, Harlan? I think you've hit the nail on the head, my bro. Good, good. Thanks. Thank you for clearing that up for me a little <laughs> earlier. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's get right into this episode because this is going to be an exciting topic for all of us. Yeah, for sure. So Harlan, if you would like to just, in a couple words, just tell us who you are. Yeah. So first and foremost, I just want to let you both know that I am honored to be the first guest on this legit podcast. You guys have been my brothers for a good long time. Appreciate our friendships. I, I appreciate how it's evolved and how it's come back over the uh, past year and a half, I guess it's been. Who is Harlan? Good question. I guess at my core, I'm just a young man, not so young, I'm, I'm almost 40 now, who loves the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and tries to live it out in every day. My normal nine to five is working human resources. I'm around people. I enjoy interactions with people. I host a lot of different orientations. So I'm with people a good amount of time. I've, but I think at another piece of me and the probably a strongest piece of me is I'm a father. I'm a husband. I've been married for 14 years to a wonderful young lady, Trisha. And we've been on a, a fun, fun journey throughout these last 14 years. We've known each other for 17 years, but marriage has been harder than woodpecker lips, if I could steal your your phrase. But we've done it together. We've built together, and, and that's I've enjoyed that process with her. That's amazing. So there's one question I would like to ask you right off the top as I was looking at the other questions we will be asking you as well, and that is if someone were to come to you in your 14 years of marriage, what is one little speck of advice you would give to them to help them make their marriage successful? Just because you're right doesn't necessarily mean you have to lord your rightness over that other person. You could be right in a situation and actually just let it play out and not necessarily throw that rightness into her or his face. And at the same time, when you are wrong, let's just say, hey, I missed the mark on that and put yourself in that humble position and apologize and try to make that thing. And that there's like a submission that happens there between a, a husband and a wife where, you know what, that both people, if they're in it for the right reason, are not going to take advantage of the other person's humility. And then there's a safe space to be able to exp to dive into that humble, that that humility. And then that builds you up because you know what, if I'm going to be uh, this vulnerable for this person and they're not going to manipulate me or abuse me, that's a good safe space to be. And it's a comfortable place to be. Boom. 
<laughs> I'm glad I asked that question. We're going to end, end the podcast right now. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're all done. All right, well, thanks, guys. It's been nice talking to you. Most influential ever. <laughs> all right. Paul, you want to get into the other questions? Yeah, I do, but I do want to say something out off of that. Yeah. You said the dreaded word, submission. Um, can you unpack that? You, I know you unpacked that a little bit, but can you get a little more in depth for people that might be scared of that word or not really use that word in everyday life? Yeah, when you think of, so I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> and so I don't know how much this will resonate, but in wrestling, you put someone in a hold and they tap out or they submit. And you see the person who submits as the loser. And so when you say that word submission, there's always that connotation that you've lost something. But in the context of scripture, submission, it's more of a concept, I think, that stems from a, a love. If I'm going to submit to someone, it's because I trust the fact that, again, they're not trying to make me lose. We're on the same team. And my submission to that person means that we are able to go to some higher level together. And you also, in I just heard this yesterday. I was listening, I can't remember what I was listening to, maybe just going through Instagram. And the text, Bible does talk about how wives should submit themselves to their husband. And so the idea is that the husband cannot make the wife submit. The wife has to choose to submit. Now, it and but then it also the husband has the responsibility that when the wife submits to love her with all of her heart with all of his heart soul mind and strength and when you do when the husband loves in that manner it and the wife sees the husband loving in that manner i think the submission is a little bit easier because you could see it as you're not in fact losing you're just coming under the covering that god has provided you and that person is willing to die for you as Christ died for his church. Again, it's the world, it's confusing to the world. The world will be like, oh, I'm not submitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not, never give up. There's shirts, t-shirts that are out there. Don't give up. Right. Never quit. And quitting is seen as something a lot of, you know, recently Simone Biles, it looked like she kind of quit when she was doing her events. And we're track and field guys. So we just saw Shikari Richardson run a race and she didn't look that good. It looked like she kind of quit. And so that's what the world would see as quitting. But when we look, look at it through the eyes of the text and, and, and how submission is an idea that definitely from from my perspective stems from love i think it's a little bit simple it's a little bit easier to to palate to digest if you know that your submission is connected to a loving place appreciate that that's a lot of i don't know i, I probably said too much stuff it's just i don't know if it was a ramble or if it resonated a little bit hopefully it did that was perfect man yeah thanks thanks for going into that you already mentioned how long you've been married so how long did you guys date before you were married yeah so remember like we it was a summer night and we we're at my <clears throat> my folks house and we we'd met like we met in church actually and my it was actually my mom thought that she knew her and was like my mom is big personality she thinks she, i don't know she thinks she knows everybody and so just like she goes up to the, her and was like hey how you doing they're having a conversation and my wife is just oh hey oh eric nice to meet you 
And I kind of was close by, and I, at that point, I just said hi. But my mom, again, she invited her to join the choir, and she's doing all youth group stuff. And I'm in college, so I'm not, you know, at home so much. Every time I come home, she's around, she's at the house, like, just hanging out and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, it is what it is. She's around. Eventually, we just started having conversation, and it, she, she, I feel like she kind of, like, pursued. It was, like, July. It was a July day when we finally, like, you know, all right, let's see where this thing can go. And... So that was, I guess we were dating for about maybe two, maybe a year, like dating, uh, and then engaged for about a year and a half. We got engaged on uh, Valentine's Day. There's a story behind that. I don't know if time permits for that to happen, but we we had a not too long of an engagement, and then we went right in on, into the the vows, and we've been we haven't looked back. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Appreciate that. The next question we have here before you is what in your opinion or experience is the best thing about being married? So I, I think it's just like a team and the imagery that I see in my mind. And even as I'm speaking, like I'm putting my, I'm folding my hands and putting my hands together, interlocking my fingers and putting the palms together. That's like the, what I see in my mind as what is the best part of marriage is being able to do life alongside someone who is so like-minded where we can go in the same direction and so that same image of us being together also being able to at times maybe separate and just go in a straight line together pursuing similar goals which the most similar goal is loving the lord i think that is that for us that's the key being able to pursue that first and then watching everything else fall into place how like provision care monetary needs we see those things fall into place but and i probably could have done that by myself maybe but probably not to the extent that i could do it with a teammate if you want to go was it fast go alone if you want to go far go with a partner go together and we being able to go far is what i appreciate most with my partnership with my wife that's good you got all the nuggets right that, that sent all me in so many different places that little <laughs> rant right there man <laughs> i'm going back into books i've read and you know how basically most of the most successful men in the world are married and suggest that you get married for that very reason yeah even if it's your desire is to be successful in business and life and all those things it's like you you need a partner and someone to support you mm-hmm. through that Mm-hmm. And that's amazing, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you have that. Just to have someone to like bounce ideas again. That person who's not going to take advantage of you just right. sharing in the rawest form. Hey, I'm just thinking about this thing. Let me. What do you think? And then that person would be like, oh, I don't know. That's, or yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Go with that. But and and then the idea that you're allowing someone t- to speak those things into you, where you value that opinion, because sometimes someone will tell you something. And you'd be like, yeah, okay, thanks. You know, <laughs> good for nothing input. You don't, you don't, you don't mean anything to me. You're, there's nothing, there's no connection. So why should I even value what you've said? It might be good stuff, but there's no relationship. And if there's no relationship, then it, it's almost like pointless to have someone who you see all the time, who knows you like inside and out, you're good, you're bad, the ugly, and then can be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Run with that. Or I don't know, but have you thought about this or maybe this? And it helps you out, helps me out. Definitely. Yeah, so thank you for that, man. You're banging through these. So what is one of your favorite characteristics of your wife? So like the love of my wife for my kids 
is like unmatched. Like I love my kids, but not like my wife loves my kids. It's <laughs> so that's it's different. It's it's the love that she has for them. And here's just an example. So we we're, we got to go on vacation, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, just pack their just pack their clothes up and get them out there. And so for her, it's let's get the details now. Now we got to make sure we have you know, snacks on the ride, snacks in the airport. We got to plan out all these events that we're going to do with the kids. And I guess I would have planned something eventually, but not like she would plan it. And it's the little details where she's always constantly thinking of ways to make the kids' lives, especially in a COVID season. How can we make things as normal as possible? If that's even, I don't know if that's the word, but the thoughtfulness behind that to me is just an example of what I you know, love the most about her. And even when we got back from vacation, still like planning things for them to do. I was like, did we do enough stuff already? Are we, what are we doing more things for? I guess we could do more things. We just did a lot of stuff. But that's just the, the love. The love gives. Love gives without remorse. And she she embodies that. I like it. That, that goes to my point that I make with a lot of people that, in my opinion, love is more of an action than a feeling. And I think we've maybe even discussed this on the podcast before you know, through media and television shows and movies and things, I think we're fooled into thinking that love is a feeling, right? I, I need to feel love from you. I need to feel that I love you. Mm-hmm. But time and time again, I have this experience and I, you know, see these examples played out in other people that I know that are married or just loving on their children. That's why we say loving on someone that it's all the actions that makes me feel loved. Yeah. And it's the action of me loving my wife and my children that make me feel loved the most and make my heart full. That, that's what I get back out of the action of love is feeling full. And then even when you speak about God, right, it's like you said, that submission of submitting to his will that makes me feel the most love from God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All the nuggets today, folks. So we got... One more question here before we dive into this topic, and that is what has challenged you the most in your marriage or in being married? Yeah, Trish and I talked about this last night, trying to come up with the thing that's challenged us the most. And we have a, a our first son is he's on the autism spectrum. I don't the term high functioning is like a, a, a kind of taboo, but you know, he's he's seems very I don't want to, it's not even normal. He's just he's a regular kid. He just has a slight, uh, maybe highly more than slight focus issue where, you know, he pays attention, pays attention to the things that he's really interested, really interested in and things that he's not interested in. He might look out the window or play with his hands or play with a pencil, anything to keep him interested or occupied. And while that is not you could be interested in what you're interested in, but when you're in school, you got to pay attention to the teacher. That's really what you got to do. So. He has that attention issue that, you know, so if the teacher's teaching something, he, he'll miss certain pieces of how to do something and or try to just do it himself. He takes things very literally at times. So if I'm shooting hoops and I say I'm on fire, I'm making threes like Steph Curry, I yell I'm on fire. He's are you where are you on fire at? There's he takes things super literally. And so there's just like slight things that are misfiring. And the assumption is that he will eventually grow and mature. And I think maturity will cover a lot of that as he grows up and learns how to, to integrate himself in the world. But 
for us, the challenge has been trying to surround himself with the resources that he needs in order to be successful. And so in a world that's only, that's not only, but primarily focused on making sure that people who are a certain way succeed, if you do ABC123, you'll be able to be successful. How do you fit someone who does not conform to that way of lifestyle to make them be successful? And we made the tough decision when he was like two, once we saw that things were you know, not going, there was some speech delay there. We made the, the tough decision at that point to be like, hey, how about Trish, you, we not, you not go back to work. She took like four months out of work and we made the faith-filled decision to be like, let's, if I, I just gotten a, a job where I was making a good amount, a decent amount of money, enough for a family of three. And in, in our mind and heart, it was like, if we can't be good stewards of what God has given us as far, like financially with what he's already given us, then we're not good stewards. And so we had to check how we were spending our money. And then we had a whole, a wife, my wife was fully dedicated to making sure that he was okay. And so now we're getting in touch with early intervention. We're having conversations with doctors and different people to, to give us ideas of what we need to do for him. Speech therapy, you know, there's occupational therapy. There's different things that we were able to find and get connection with that I don't think we would be able to get connected with if we had two adults working full time. And that was the, the, the biggest challenge that we've ever had was deciding, A, for her not to go back to work immediately and then finding what he needs in order to be successful. I think it was tough, but we had faith. And then we, Brian, like you were saying, we had love for each other. And it, w it was my idea to to not go back. And she submitted to that idea, but she did it out of fully knowing that it was from a position of love, love for her, love for our son. And then she had got an opportunity to demonstrate that love for the kids that I just explained before, where she would she literally does anything to make sure that he's good. So there were times when she didn't get the right, the teacher that she wanted. So let's go to the principal. Hey, principal, I would like my son to have teacher X. Principal says, I don't think that's, we don't do that. Okay, principal, thank you. You're obviously not the person that I need to have this conversation with. So let's go to the superintendent. Okay, superintendent, we would like to have student X for our son. Oh yeah, sure, there's no problem. Well, go ahead, have student X. So she will walk across the hottest desert barefooted, over glass, I don't know, some crazy scenario just to make things happen for not just him, but our other two kids. But he is our challenge and he remains that challenge. But again, together, we're able to navigate it through communicating, but it's primarily through her overwhelming love and care for him. That's what's up. I heard that communication word in there. <laughs> I think we yeah. say it every episode. <laughs> Got it, man. Got it. Hey man, Paul, you got anything else before we dive into the uh, to the topic here? No, that's it. That's a lot. That's all good stuff. We appreciate you opening up and sharing with us. That was all good things for sure. Absolutely. So is marriage designed to make us holy more than to make us happy? That's where I was trying to get to. So who wants to start on their thoughts on this topic? I'm going to leave it to Harlan. Yeah, yeah I'm, the guest. it's so when I saw this topic... Actually, my dad broached it with me. He brought it up a few, maybe a few months ago, and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't think anything about it until you guys approached me. I was like, let's, what, would you like to be on, and what, what could we talk about? 
and that was the first thing that came to my mind. Let's, you know, let me dive into this a little bit more. But the idea that did God design my marriage to make me holy more than make me happy was intriguing, intriguing to me because the holiness part is not my default. Like I'm not defaulting on, I have a wife to make me holy. And I don't want to say it's not my default as much as it's just not in the forefront of my mind. I understand that God designs things for certain ways, for certain reasons. And even my existence is to pursue God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's, there's that idea that, I, you know, hey, everything that I do should be to make me more like him, more like Christ. But at the same time, when I'm asked that question, I'm like, what am I really doing to actively pursue that thing? And I, you know, I couldn't necessarily specifically find like tangible things that I'm always just doing to do it. And it was like convicting. I was like, oh man, I could probably do better at this. Now, when we, when we think of like holy and happy, it's not a, like an either or thing. It's, it's, I'm going to be happy with my wife. Bible says he who finds a wife uh, finds good treasure and obtains favor among men. So there's no way that you can and have like a relationship with a wife and not be happy. Wait a minute. Let me, I wonder if that's actually true. A, a good wife, right? That's, I think that's what you want to find. <laughs> or, or a good, healthy relationship. But it's not my default. So I was, I, I guess my question to you guys would be like, do you feel like when you think about your marriage, are you going more towards, man, I want to be holy or is it more, I want to be happy? Yeah, I think when I first started in my relationship and in my marriage, I leaned more towards finding my own happiness. I had to learn that the closest I can get to holiness, and it might be different for everyone, sure, is for me to give. So I had to learn to give of myself. And that really started with the, the birth of my first child. I, I think that makes it easier for a man to get there, right? To, to give all of yourself. Yeah. And so that really taught me what, you know, unconditional love is. And once I got there, I learned, okay, I need to do this for my wife as well. And I think naturally for me, I would give of myself in public. I would give of myself to my friends. I would give of myself to strangers. And that's my time, money, energy. And what I also had to do was learn to balance that mm. inside and out the, outside the home. Once I, I really learned that it needed to be all of it. And it's still a struggle for me, but I think my natural thing is to just be a giver. So that's, I guess, where my head went and where my experience has taken me is to, to give of myself to get closer to holiness. And I think giving is definitely a form of getting towards holiness. Absolutely. I would, that's a great characteristic. And I think I find myself in that same spot where I've found myself giving more to others than giving to the folks in my immediate uh, house, be it with coaching, with working at church, with working at work, with any other interests that I have, sometimes you, you drop the ball. And so T.D. Jakes gave an analogy at one point where all the, the pursuits that you have in life, it's your juggling. And any person who knows anything about juggling, a good juggler is not going to drop one of those balls that they have. And you end up dropping the ball if you end up holding on to one more or longer than you absolutely should. And so being able to, to navigate that, those tosses so that you, everything gets a touch, everything, because you are, as a man in our relationships, we end up being very primary. 
and everyone needs to to have access to us because we we're, we benefit them. We help them in their relationships or we're a benefiting relationship, but we have to be able to touch each one and keep them up in the air, keep all the balls in the air. Yeah, but I, I feel you on giving your time to, to so many different outlets because so many people need access to us. People need us. Paul, how about you, man? Yeah, I think to reply before I give my reply, as far as maybe not giving so much at first at home, like we have to learn that we have to be intentional <clears throat> because I think in our mind, once we're settled in with our wife and even our family, that's our support without us consciously thinking about that, right? Like when, because when we have time with our friends, we know that our friends need this or our coworkers need this or our job needs this mm-hmm. or our volu- where we're volunteering or at church. Like we know we our mind is, okay, this is what it needs. But like we just have that comfort and that support from our wife and our family. And that is what allows us to do those things. Mm-hmm. So we don't always come back to them like, okay, what do you need? Or we have to learn to make that intentional. So I think that's a process in the beginning stages of being married is just realizing how important our wife and or our kids are and that family unit that I know is important to the three of us, how it allows us to actually be our fullest and best selves, but also giving them our fullest and best selves as well. Because it's just one of those things that you don't realize how much you need to breathe until you have bronchitis or until you have a stuffy nose Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh like i need air right Mm -hmm. so so like then you're in more intentional on breathing you take whatever the doctor gives you to get over it but our family and our wives are like our air like they allow us to do all these other things but we have to be intentional on giving back and giving them the best thing so i think that's something that we all learn in marriage yeah just being there is not enough yeah just like you're sitting on the recliner and you not necessarily going out is not what you know, the family needs. They need you to be active in, in what they're interested in and, and engage them in their pursuits wherever they're at because you do that with everyone else. Yeah. All those other platforms that you mentioned, Paul, uh, you're doing that other places. So you definitely have to be intentional. That's a great word. Yeah, and be where they're at. Yeah, I think because what you said is like, you're outside what you just mentioned is the crux like you're already out of your home and with the intention to do something Mm -hmm. and even if you're just like i'm gonna go chill with my boys even if you do nothing you're not at home in your space but when you go home it's just okay i always see these people Mm -hmm. they love me i'm just here and we forget because if we take our family out somewhere something gets done and there's intentionality with that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. But just when we're at home, like, we can't just let that fly. Like, all right, we're together. It's cool. Yeah. Mm. But to your question about holiness and happiness, I think with our marriage, it was pretty, for me, it was, it started as an intense time spiritually for me. It was right when I had made God my true focus. So I had played around and been like, this is my belief. But then when I was actually like a grown adult and deciding I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to focus on anything else. No relationships, no nothing. Then Crystal popped up. So it was like this. I was really focused on doing what he wanted and growing me in that way. Then she popped up. And she's she can be very deep and really 
in line with what God has. For me, at the beginning, it was more of a, and our mentors that walked us through marriage was like, you are married for you to be able to fulfill God's purpose as a couple and individually, and your spouse is going to help you fulfill that goal that God has for you. We were lucky enough to have mentors that spoke into that in us to to let us know that we are still individuals and God has a purpose for us individually, but he also has a purpose for us collectively and how do we get there collectively as well. So I had a, I would say I was, we were blessed enough to have those mentors really see that in us and verbalize it because not many people hear that in the beginning of their marriage. So it, it's just a different perspective, but once you get in it, you can definitely fall into the happy trap, that humanness of feeling you got it all figured out. Then it's like, all right, what makes everybody happy? Like, it's like, but what is your purpose? All those things come back around. Nice. Harlan, earlier you were t- saying that holy, holiness, happiness is not either or, it's both and, yeah. right? So as I'm losing my thought on this, I guess, how do we best exercise both and? Right. Because the the human part of us wants to be happy. And and I think in my experience, it is more or less knowing that my actions in one area are going to earn me the things that I want that will make me happy. But I guess in your experience, in your opinion, just what are the facts to to experience both? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess the overall concept for me is understanding that the things that God has created, it would be it would be weird for God to create something for us not to enjoy that thing. And so God created marriage as a concept that we should enjoy, and it's going to make us happy. But if our pursuit is only for the happiness, then like we're missing all the other things that could will make us, which would truly make us happy. I think if you're, and we see that in. In, in life, people are pursuing, they get a little bit of money and then they'll, they'll just buy things to, to make them happy. And, they, and sometimes people think retail therapy will make you happy. Let me go. And if you have a large, and, and that's why you see a lot of people who are really rich are really not happy because they've pursued vain pursuits, things that will, you know, will, you know, deteriorate or rust, decay, things that have no longevity. And so I don't think pursuing happiness is just a good way to even approach it because what makes us happy, what what made you guys happy 10 years ago won't make me happy. 38-year-old Harlan and 28-year-old Harlan aren't enjoying the same things. Now, there might be something, I like fried chicken back when I was 28 and I like it when I'm 38 too, but there might, I don't know if you've watched like MTV any time, like in the past 10 years, but it's way different now. They don't play any music videos. There's there's a bunch of rappers on there who don't know what they're doing. I don't, there's things that I just don't like anymore. The popular culture, you change and things that make you happy yesterday won't make you happy today. But if you seek, the Bible talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else would be added unto you. So you're for me, it's the pursuit of seeking Christ to the best of my ability, and man, do I fail at that often. But to the best that I can, I try to do that. And if I was only seeking after happiness, then I wouldn't be happy. But if I'm seeking after him, he is going to allow me to live that abundant life. And for me, that's wholesome. I like that. We talk about on the podcast a lot that happiness has to come from within 
or happiness is not coming from a person. So even within yourself, even within your marriage, like you can't look to your spouse to make you happy. And I think that is one of those, that's one of the ways that it's both and it's not really about happiness per se, but if you're pursuing, like you said, what God has for you, then there will be a sense of joy in your life and that will give you contentment to be able to walk through the rest of your life and you can acknowledge the the other good things that are in your life to to just suffice and make it a good life so i like that i like what you said about that yeah and you pointed it out that spouse can't make you happy nor is it her job or his job to make you happy and it's unrealistic and even unfair to think that they would be able to do something for you that only god can do you know how dare us to put our spouse in a position or our our boyfriend or girlfriend in a position where we are expecting them to do for us what only God can do. They will never meet up to that and and they shouldn't expect it from us either. It's unrealistic for us to be able to make them happy. I'm sorry. That's maybe there are things that I could do for you that it at that moment can make you smile, but that true joy has to be a pursuit, a personal pursuit. And as the, the man I, it's up to me to be able to help her to be able to get to that point. Yeah, maybe there's things that I can do to encourage her to, to dig a little bit deeper and find, help her to find God's purpose as a help meet, as someone to, to go alongside her and help her. But I, that's, it's not going to be me to be like, hey, be happy. This is, I can't make that. And, and she can't make me happy to either. To the true happiness. I love her. And she makes me smile every day. But when you were thinking about the true depth of someone ongoing, happy, ongoing joy, it's hard for that person to do that. Yeah, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is you probably should find your happiness to be fully engaged in your marriage. And in order for your marriage to truly work, you should already be self-fulfilled in Christ in order for that to happen. And oftentimes we go into relationships and we are really broken people. We're at it. We're not exactly where God wants us to be. And if you are struggling with like, we all, we all have baggage. We have to really submit to, to God to say, Hey God, can you and seek his face and ask him to help you to through the spirit, to get rid of those things that are causing you to, that are, that have broken you. But if you're go if you're bringing all of that brokenness and all that baggage, and then you're saddling it with someone who also is has is so broken and, and has so much baggage, it's a, that's a tough that's a tough connection. And I would, I, Sarge, you can jump in, man. Like it's I w- would discourage that that union where there's too much on on either side, where there's no joy, there's no peace, and then they're just like we're. And we might be digging into psych. I might be digging into psychiatry talk, but I don't know. That's a tough sell. Are should people with that much weight and baggage that they've already brought bring all of their baggage together and then throw it into one big pile of mess and then go forward together? Like, how hard is that? Yeah, it. it I think it's yeah. delusional to think we found each other, even as messed up as we are. We're, we're going to fix each other. Yeah, that's the worst. Way. <laughs> this is going to make it all better. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just all going to burn down. That's all that baggage <laughs> right. is going to go up in flames. So, no, what, what you said, yeah, for real, Harlan, like, God, you can submit that 
to prayer for sure and God, but God has also given us tools, like you said, digging into psychiatry and psychology. There are licensed therapists that can help you process through any of your past to make you, to help you become a better person and or give you tools to to grow and to to really face those things so that they're so that it's no longer baggage or it's no longer baggage with you it's baggage that you've left where it needs to be so you're not carrying that everywhere you go so you're only carrying the things that you need it's almost if you're going to go on a hike you're not going to bring a carry-on as well as a full luggage thing as well as a backpack as well as whatever you're only going to put what you need on your back for that journey so you only need to bring those things from your past into your marriage that are necessary you don't want any extra weight or unnecessary weight because obviously your past is what has made you who you are but when you have tools to turn that into resources to turn that into wisdom to turn Mm. that into advice to acknowledge that you might be short in a certain area but how to overcome that that's all the positive things that you can do from terrible past experience to help you grow and that's all maturity and you know but it with god your therapist and people that love you to help you walk through that that's the only way you can get through those and that's what you want to bring into your marriage that's how you can be productive happy and holy within your marriage is by getting rid of that baggage and having those tools to cut off what isn't needed to move forward and i can say that premarital counseling is like huge in at least bringing those items to the table. Even myself, when I, and this is 14 years ago, in my mind, I was like, well, I, I, I love this lady, so I just want to marry her. There are things you probably have to work out. Hey, wh- how much debt you got? Hey, do you have any stalkers running? What, what, is the, <laughs> what, is, what are the things that, are, that you're bringing that we may not have wanted, had a chance to talk about? How many kids do you want? Do you want zero kids? Do you want eight kids? How do, you know, how do we have separate bank accounts? Do we put our, all of our money in one pool? How do we handle aging parents? So there's all there's all these things that you could have a conversation about beforehand so you get a chance to really uh, know, is this someone that I actually want to really roll with? Because after you say I do, it's really hard. There was a, a philosopher who once said it's cheaper to keep her. I, I don't know what the... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think it was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. <laughs> it was, oh, that's so funny. So I don't want to stop this conversation. I really don't. But we have been speaking for a little while now. And Two obviously it's, I'm going to have to try and figure a way to split this up maybe. But there is something that keeping our entire audience in mind I think there's something that would be fair for us to speak on and that would be obviously both holiness and happiness but Harlan to you what are some characteristics of holiness and then secondly how do you define happiness characteristics of holiness essentially something if something is holy it's set apart and then God is holy so at the root of holiness is God is holy, set apart, unblemished, without sin, pure, all those things where you, you think of just something that is, I think pure is probably the best word for me, set apart, of course. So the characteristics, and so I cannot be those things, right? In his purest sense, I cannot be God. So there are times when I'm just 
pursuing holiness. It talks about pressing toward the mark of the prize. So like you're pressing towards something, although the back of our mind, we know that we're not going to be that thing. But our, it, as long as we're pressing toward it, going toward that thing and going in that direction, then we're meeting what the Lord wants us to do. It's hard to, to you'll, you'll never attain it, but you must pursue it. Bearing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all the things that we need to allow to, to show forth in our relationships. I think that's the way we're able to pursue holiness is by just allowing the fruit that the spirit is supposed to bear to do its job. Being kind, being gentle, having self-control, you know, watching what we watch, looking at how are we spending our time, our downtime, having kind words for our, our spouse, our children. Are we being honest in our dealings with with people? Are we signing our timesheet correctly? Like things, those are like, that's like a rubber meets the road kind of a thing. As I was driving here to the studio, I probably could have ran one or two red lights because there was nobody around. I, what's the, am I breaking a law if there's no one there to see it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is for those yes, who needed the distinction. Yeah. yeah. So those, for me, though, that would be how you characterize holiness. And I'm not a, a Bible scholar. I'm sure there's Bible scholars out there who could define it way better than that. But, but for me, it's just the pursuit of that thing. Um, because I, uh, the understanding is that I'll, I'll never be holy as God is holy. And then the other question was happiness. How do you define happiness? Right. And for me, happiness is just a fleeting emotion. It's just another emotion, like sad, angry, where all emotions that Jesus experienced as a human. And if it's just, if it's a human emotion, it's got its usefulness at times. I'm happy to be here. It's useful, but it doesn't lead me and it's not my pursuit, but it, I like being happy. I like even more so having joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I, I like the fact that the blessings of the Lord make us rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, those are all things that make me like, make me happy. When I see brothers like you being successful, that makes me happy. When I see Sarge, when I see you in your relationship with your wife and how you guys are able to minister to so many people and be light to so many couples, that makes me happy. I love happiness, but it's it, it comes and it goes. Right. <laughs> it, but, and it's great when it's around a long time. It's, it's great, sure. but it doesn't lead me. I like that. And I, and I think it speaks a lot to this topic, right? The, the pursuit of holiness is really more important than the pursuit of happiness. Like you said, it, it, happiness is fleeting. Yeah. It comes and goes by the moment. We, we get all, you get a phone call, but you get a phone call one second and then the boom, your happiness is gone. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so I'm happy now and I'm glad that God makes me happy. Could go just as quick. Yeah. And I like also what you said about holiness as well. It made me think of setting goals and we're taught for a long time to set overreaching goals, things that you think that you may never obtain, but even if you fall short of them, that's still acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I tell that to students all the time. They're always like waffling. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to, you know, learn a trade or whatever. It's, hey, even if you pursue this thing and don't make it to your ultimate goal, like the pursuit in and of itself. And, and Kobe talked about that a lot. It's not the end that, you know, that it's great. It's the journey. The journey is where you get all, you learn all the lessons. You fall down, you scrape your knee, you get back up, you, you try again. You, you learn on that journey. I think it was said once, you, you aim for the moon, and if you fail, at least you're sitting amongst the stars. Like, you're still in a great spot. 
And right. in your perspective, oh man, and here's the key. And the, the perspective that you would have at that higher level, had you not done anything, changes dramatically. Now I'm at a place where I'm looking down and I could, I could see, wow, things are a lot more clear where I'm at now versus where I was had I just sat on my couch and done nothing. Yeah, I can go so many different places. <laughs> man, what you said a little while ago when you were talking about holiness, I would say for those that may not be familiar with the Christian tradition or religion, I'm just going to break down some natural principles that Christ taught that can help you that we would consider holy, but you may see it as other words because it's in other places. So like good context, Christ gave up himself. So self-denial, just giving up of himself. That's how you can, that is what we would consider holy, right? Self-sacrifice, giving up everything for someone else. He did what was may have seen against the culture for the good of that person. So like talking to women in his time was unheard of but he did that so he had empathy like knowing where people were he the bible talks about him being stirred inside before he did something or he was moved by the crowd or he felt deep sorrow or deep pity and then he did something so he was in touch with his surroundings and also like he he showed grace so there, mm-hmm. there were many times where he would be presented with a problem that the law may have said there should be harsh punishment, but he gave grace. So giving grace within your marriage is pursuing holiness. And also thinking about the other's perspective and knowing that they may not be strong in certain areas. So if you're strong in this area, you can't domineer in that area. So not lording over, taking over, forcing. That was not the way of Christ. So if you can switch that up and take those principles into your marriage that is what we would consider holy but the rest of those are just practical ways to to be a good husband if that makes sense those are good principles of husbandness or spouseness that we would also consider holy i just wanted to give that spin because they're just principles to live by yeah they're all principles that christ exuded and he was super humble he didn't seem and he didn't seek after affirmation so like when we do something within our marriage sometimes we want it to be seen we want our wife to say something and we could compare ourselves to others and be like man that husband doesn't even do such and such Mm -hmm. i do this and you ain't even saying nothing Mm -hmm. about it but like christ when they when he would do stuff and he would heal people the crowd would want to elevate him and the Bible would say, and he fell away, and they couldn't find him. They didn't see who they couldn't see him anymore. So, like, he shrunk back after he did these great things. All those are kind of ways to be holy with your marriage because you're elevating you're elevating the marriage over yourself, and you're elevating your wife. Which goes back to what Harlan said in the beginning: is just out of a place of love, your wife submit or give up herself because she sees you giving up yourself for the good of your marriage. So that submission is definitely twofold. Just thinking about the anonymity of service and how you can live in that space or how to live in that space. But that's, I'm just lost in my head as, as I typically get. <laughs> so many fun thoughts. But and, and to your point, Sarge, jokingly, I love when my wife comes in and I'm washing the dishes. It's the best feeling in the world. Because, <laughs> hey, I'm doing something. Am I good? Is it good enough for you? 
<laughs> that's not the reason why I should be doing it. That is not the reason, but it definitely feels good. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take an attaboy. <laughs> yeah, it take a little bit longer on that dish. Maybe wash it a little bit longer. Look to see if she's coming in the house. Or just save one dirty dish. And when she parks the car, just run upstairs and just start. <laughs> I love it. Oh I want all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, nothing feels better than to get credit from influential people to my wife, like her friends and things. So terrible. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I crave it, but I'm not also saying that I don't crave it. Yeah. It's not a crave, but it's nice when it happens. Yeah, say that. yeah. yeah. It's, we're, at this point, we're being really transparent. Right. <laughs> it doesn't go unnoticed, all I'm saying. And I said all that, but it still feels good. <laughs> but for reals now. <laughs> oh, man. So is there anything else you'd like to hit on this topic, Harlan? Or is there anything that you'd, you feel pressed to give to the world? Spouses, husbands out there. No. <laughs> You've given a lot. I'm going to say you have given a lot. So you know, I, I, I understand that answer. It's a cool conversation. It's a fun conversation to have with intelligent people. And it's a lifelong journey for, for us all. We, When we get into the, the marriage relationship, it's we're going in it for life. And if, if you're going to go with someone forever, then, you know, you're going to have a couple things in the forefront of your mind. And one of the things that it can't be is happiness. Happiness is going to be a byproduct, but seeking after the father is going to be, has been for me, the thing that allows me to be happy. I just had to write that down. Happiness is a byproduct. Yeah. I might put that on a t-shirt. I'll let you know. You have to give me your size. <laughs> Hilarious. I like the way your mind um, works, though, man. I love it. Yeah, he's always. Monetizing always everything. I love it. That's my guy. Sorry, not sorry. But, yeah, as we end this time, because we've been on here for a while, Harlan, is there um, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you on the Internet, in these Internet streets? Uh, or is there anything good that you're doing that you want to let people know that's going on? Yeah, I'm the youth director at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And we are just starting to come back together, meeting physically with our students, having gone through a really interesting phase of COVID. And uh, so that's, we're, we're called Living Water Youth Ministries. So you can find us, Living Water Youth Ministries. We're on Instagram. My, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well, just Harlan Tabron. I'm definitely not as inspirational on my social media, hopefully as I was on on this little conversation. I appreciate the space of the time. And I've just started growing out my hair. Hopefully in the next couple of years, you'll see a, a hair product for me that kind of helps me keep my hair from frizzing up. M maybe the next time I come back, I'll have a prototype for you guys who don't have as much hair as me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only because uh, I got tired of taking care of it. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. And we appreciate you so much for you know your time and your knowledge and experience and being willing to share that all with us and our community. I don't know that you can really measure in the moment how helpful it will be and has been, but I can't wait to get this episode published because I, I know it's going to help a lot of people out there. Once again, thank you very much for coming in and giving all that you did. The pleasure is absolutely mine.
Listen, I'm just putting that out there. It might be a trio. Every now and then, just come and throw a topic and have Harlan put a little salt and pepper on it. <laughs> a little Lowry's. A couple pew pew pew. Tony <laughs> right. We're good to go. But yeah, Harlan, appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for your time and your knowledge, your wisdom. It was great. Thanks, brothers. I definitely want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I also want to invite you to the website, marriagestougher.com, where you can uh, engage with with us there. Uh, Definitely ask us any questions. Give us any topic suggestions that you might have for us. Um, Look at, uh, hit us up on social media as well, as far as uh, Facebook is concerned. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review so we can start to reach more people out there as we feel like we are really starting to uh, gain some traction and uh, really get some positive feedback for the things that we're doing here. So um, for the Marriage is Tougher Than Woodpecker's Lips podcast, this is Brian. Hey, and this is Paul. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time.